Bellwether Friends, definitely not the first podcast featuring a discussion of pop culture and why we think you should like what we like. You should trust us because we're librarians. I'm Anna, librarian in Western Massachusetts, who um, ate cake today. That is, this is pretty much a highlight. <laughs> it wasn't even Valentine's Day cake. It was green icinged birthday cake. And it was terrible, yet delicious. Oh, God. And it looked terrible. It did. It was terrible. It was as advertised. And on our special guest today is Allie, a librarian and one half of the girl gang. Hi, Allie. Hi. And I also have with me Aline slash Surly Spice, who... Um, did not want us to do this topic without her expertise. <laughs> Thanks. I said that Hi. I was going to have Allie on to talk about this, and she was like, well, I've been reading these since before Allie was born. <laughs> Every time you have her on, are you just going to make fun of her age? Is that is that what you're going to do? <laughs> that is the new theme. It's not Bellwether Friends. It's Bellwether Friends. Bellwether Crows. And how old <laughs> Surly Spice is. How old are you? Old enough to know better. Right. Um, I sometimes want to have like a an April Fool's um, version of the show, like Bellwether Fronds, that's just all about plants. Fern jokes. Yeah, fern jokes. <laughs> or like idea. Bellwether Fronds. Freud's and we talk about psychoanalysis or something. Mm, yeah. So if we could figure out something that has to do with old ladies that fits <laughs> in there. <laughs> friends. Just... We're all getting older every second. It, God willing. It's true. Um, so the topic today, and I realized that we used to have two, two topics <laughs> on the show, but Lately, we've been having one long topic, and that's what we're going to do today. And then we're going to meander through all the things that we want to. So we don't feel limited by space and time. Sounds good I love me. meandering. I'm Southern. We meander. All the time. It's in the job description. <laughs> what is the temperature there? Right now? Just, an, just a guess. Why? What, what is it there? I just or... We just want to know what the temperature is there right now. Um, let's see. Uh, probably about 60. Okay. The temperature here is 3. 3 degrees? Yes. Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit, yes. Well, why would you live like that? One wonders. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, so... it was about it was about 60 today, so... Yeah, yeah. It's going to be in the 70s tomorrow. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Happy February in Mississippi. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I just wanted to know <laughs> so I could feel better about you. Thanks, Allie. You asked. <laughs> no, no, this is good. I appreciate bundle it. Bundle up. We are, yeah, we're bundling. Don't don't worry about that. It is, um, it is wear many layers, don't go outside. Did you tell our listeners what our topic is yet? No, it isn't. I've been working my way up to it. <laughs> okay. Right. For meandering, the suspense. The but suspense. we already we already hinted at it in our uh, Twitter feed. If anyone was astute enough to look <laughs> to at catch the that single tweet two, in your entire pictures. feed, I tweeted back. We don't tweet that often. I retweeted <laughs> her tweet. So there. Excellent. So our topic today is epistolary novels. Is it epistolary? 
I don't. I don't think it's epistolary. Are you it's sure? A, I think it's epistolary. I think it's epistolary. Okay. I think if we were on ER and there was apostolic. <laughs> no wait. Is that a <laughs> diastolic and systolic? Yeah. That's probably and where I got it. Probably. Apostolic. Mm, apostolic Has epistles. Has to do with apostles. Okay. Yeah. We just epistles and we just hit medicine apostles. and theology and. Isn't there um, one of those religious guys who wrote letters? Yes, Paul. Paul, right. Yes. So he's he the, was the, the apostle that wrote epistles. The apostle, yes, the apostle who wrote epistles. The original. To the Thessalonian. <laughs> I prefer St. Augustine. Amen. I have to read something, but okay. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I think I did some research on epistolary novels, but then that was several days ago. Um, Tell us what an epistolary novel is, Anna. It's well. That's. I think we need to debate the, the the definition here. So I think we should each discuss what we think an epistolary novel is. And I think a, I think the purest form of an epistolary novel is one that is entirely composed of letters. We already have. Forth. We already have Anna coming out in the purest. I'm a purist. Coming out on top. I'm not saying I don't like variations on the theme, but I think that if we're talking about epistolary, an epistolary novel is fictional. And it has uh, letters exchanged. I think it doesn't have to necessarily be, be between two people. It could be between multiple people. The example that Aline is holding up, if we were a video podcast, this would work way better, Vanna, <laughs> is Sorcery and Cecilia or The Enchanted Chocolate Pot by Patricia Reedy and Carolyn Stevermer. Caroline Caroline, Stevermer. sorry. Your hand was in the way. <clears throat> Excellent choice. It is letters. You're right. Only letters. Only letters. Right. And well, it was actually written, Patricia and Caroline wrote it as letters to each other, each taking the persona of one of the writers. This is exciting information to have. Yeah. And also, if you're looking for an epistolary novel with romance angle, this would be a good one. Romance and regency and magic. Yeah, it's basically right up our. It's hour really hour fun. It's here. really, fun. and there's it's the, a, there's three of them. The yeah. second best book ever written. What is the first best book? To say nothing. To say of nothing the dog. of the dog. Okay, yeah. Sure. Uh, anyway, so Ali, what's your definition of a pistolary novel? So I feel like a pistolary novel is um, is more of an umbrella term. Okay. Um, and yes, it, it there are some epistolary novels that are just letters back and forth. Um, but now as the form has evolved, especially as we're seeing, um, more technology, it can be anything with any kind of ephemera. So there's epistolary novels now that compile, um, emails or diary entries or text messages or voicemails or anything like that. So I read something that called those collage novels. I've never heard that term. Well, what do you think about it? I mean, I think it's, I think it's fine. I just think, um, I think I like epistolary. You like so, the word epistolary? Well, yeah. lest we it's think fun to is... say. Wait, yes, it is. Do you think, do, does your inclusion of these various communiques also, can the novel have narrative stretches? Um, or is it all contained in the communiques? That's an interesting question because I guess there are some some books that I've read that 
I guess you could consider maybe partially epistolary. So I'm holding one right now. I think. I haven't read it, but it's Stephen King's Carrie. Which I, of course, read 35 years ago. Copyright 1974. And it has, like, news items and interviews and, like, it'll say, From the Shadow Exploded, page 74 through 76. Right, but there's also narrative stretches. But I think there's narrative stretches in here as well. So... This I think is that would be at least partially partially I think I guess it's hard to figure out where it it goes from being partially epistolary to just calling it epistolary and I I read a bunch of um, best epistolary books you should read and some of them I was like well that has a lot of letters in it for example having recently reread um, Fifty Shades of Grey in the form of gray it has a lot of emails in it far too many emails (laughs) but i wouldn't call it epistolary it just happens to have a lot of correspondence right so did you have a different definition of epistolary that you wanted to so my thank you my definition is going is more pure like yours but it includes all communications like ali is talking about um, because one of my favorites, nothing touches Sorcery and Cecilia, but in the 90s, I read a trilogy by Lauren Miracle before she was a big time teen author, um, called, and there were three novels called Chat, Connect, and Crash, and they were just email exchanges. So I think that they count as epistolary, but they are not handwritten letters in the terms of letter writing that you think about and I like that and I like those inclusions and like the little text screenshots from modern romance and stuff like that I think that stuff counts I do too I was just being you know annoying no 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 you and you should be a purist and we should be very strict in our definitions of things um but I I want to I want to include that and the collage novels that you're talking about are awesome because they are more reflective of our current experience but I want them to have some narrative and some description too because not everybody's going to say I'm sitting here writing you this email oh, drinking yes. a cup of hot chocolate <laughs> laced the... with peppermint schnapps and I do want to know that the um the problem that I have with epistolary novels sometimes is when they are describing like I have a book here called Freedom and Necessity, which was written by Stephen Bruss and Emma Bull, and it's, uh, I'm just hard to describe, 1849 Revolutionary England, uh, but so there are action sequences, and there's a point at which it's hard to read an action sequence with dialogue and everything, and but it's in the form of a letter, and you're kind of like, well... There's a certain suspension of disbelief that you have to do when you're reading something that's supposed to be a letter, but it's re- it's reading as if it's normal. Yeah, um, I've never included a conversation in a letter I've written. Right. I realize that people used to write more fulsome letters. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said. And then I said. And then he never said. Never put dialogue in my letters. Yeah. Right, right. We should maybe start. Putting dialogue in our letters? So I want to talk to you 
about uh, Allie, because in your stack I saw you had Illuminae. Yes! By... It's so good! By Amy by Kaufman Amy and Jay Kristoff. Oh, this one! Okay, yes. Anna, and did you read it yet? I Well, if, if you were here, you could see that my bookmark is approximately 50% through, because I have to take this in very slow stretches, and this is a serious collage where... Do you think it, it's because of your age? It is because of my age. I do believe so. Where it's, Meanwhile, I read it where in it's one sitting. emails and reports. Allie read it in one of sitting. It it's emails and report. Can you give us a, a synopsis of the plot? Yeah, so um, it's set like 500 years um, in the future. And the heart of it is um, a girl named Katie was... Um, it was a pretty normal day. She was breaking up with her boyfriend and then all of a sudden uh, enemy fire starts raining down on them and you realize that they're living on uh, like a mining colony like 500 years in the future and um, they got caught in a, a, a war between two corporations and like half the population of their, their planet died um, and it's how they deal with the fallout from it. So it's like police reports and like all of a sudden they've been conscripted and they're living on spaceships. And so there's medical reports and Ezra starts flight training. So there's like flight training reports and um, some of it's classified. So some of it's blacked out and um, there's emails. And if you get, when you get further into the book, there's conversations between um like um, humans and AI, and that's reflected visually. Yeah, I've gotten also. to the part where like the AI is coming in. Yeah, and I think that's interesting, and I I like it, and I'm interested in it. I just, I my my elderly, <laughs> I'm not even that old, but like I can't. There's there's a part where it's all black background and the AI is like talking to itself or there's I a part where they're so... in battle and Oh yeah, and it's all this different wavy lines of text everywhere. It's hard for me to follow. And I heard that someone told me that um Jay Kristoff actually did a lot of the art design himself. Which so I, I have him really... to thank is what you're yes, saying? Yes, you have him to Jay? thank. Jay. <laughs> At him. I showed uh, it to Aline and she sort of took a step away from it. <laughs> but, well, I mean, it's one of the things that's cool about it, though, is it's straight spaceship sci fi. And you don't really see a whole lot of, like, epistolary sci fi. Yeah. This is true. And I gave it to my dad, and he read it in one sitting, too, because he's an enormous geek and he loves anything like spaceship sci fi. And he's so probably he... my age, so maybe I should be able to handle it. <laughs> He is older than you, Eleanor. But, okay, so listening to you talk about it makes me think about the kind of reader whose hands I'd put it into, because that's a thing that I do sometimes. And I'm wondering, this is a question for you, Allie, if you would give it to somebody who came in loving Monster by Walter Dean Myers, because it wasn't written just like a book, is that the way a reader has... Yeah, maybe. I think so. It's it's very... Well, A, the story the heart of the story is very good and the two voices are very strong, which I think if you're, if you're writing an epistle, if you're reading an epistolary novel and one of the voices is not strong, 
I mean, that's a problem right there. Yes. So both you, of the voices are very strong, plus the form is very interesting. Do you so prefer a, like, a two-voice epistolary situation, or are you okay with, like, a cast? I don't mind a cast as long as they feel distinctive. I don't want to be flipping back and forth and going, now, who is this again? Like, what, what, what was their thing, you know? So, I think that's what makes them... The successful ones, the great ones successful, is that they are actually written by multiple people yeah, in who have different voices. That's true of a lot of the ones we have here, like Sorcery and Cecilia and Illuminae and Freedom and Necessity. They all had two authors. Um, and I think right. that's... Guernsey has two authors. Yep, I have that in my hands currently. Um, which would be the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society by Marianne Schaffer and Annie Barrows. Right. Since and it has it has a cast. It, it has a cast for sure. I was just... Yeah. Um, but all the voices in that are very distinctive. It also has... I mean, the the majority of the letters in that in the book are from one character. One character to another. So the Freedom and Necessity has two sets... Uh, two men and two women, and they're sort of all writing amongst each other, which, and there's some romance, so that's nice. But it's incredibly dense. I'm not sure um, I would recommend it to everyone. Yeah. Unless and you're it, ready to think about, like, Marxism. <laughs> some so what light, do you think cheerful reading. Is the, what do you think is the appeal of the epistolary novel. I asked that. Well, I'm asking it now because I want I want to think about I want to think about other places we read letters, but I want to um I want to know. I what what do you think is the appeal? Allie. It feels personal um in a way sometimes even more so than even like a first person perspective from a novel. Well, I think it's good cuz you can see so if you have a novel that's all first-person perspective, then you don't see anyone else's perspective ever. Right. A, a lot of romance novels do the now, now do the alternating perspectives. Like, they'll do one person, first person, and then the next chapter is the other person, first person. Which I think is getting closer to that intimacy. But I like, I like the appeal of that there's a distance between the people, and that is symbolized by their exchange of letters. Right. I have not read Attachments. That would be... It's been a while since I've read that. That would be, like, partially epistolary? Because that has some narrative. It's partially, yeah. It's got narrative, but it's definitely got, like, multiple... A lot of the emails, yeah. A lot of email. I think... It's charming. Yeah. What? I I feel like there's a lot of... um, A lot of epistolary novels are very charming. I like being charmed. I'm I always like being up for charmed. being it charmed. It is very charming. Um, although we have a few here that came up on the list I was looking at. One of which is Dracula. Less um, charming. Less yeah. charming. Super charming. Uh, <laughs> I was charmed. I love. I mean, I love Dracula. I think it's a really fun book. I just wouldn't put it in the same charm category as, say, Guernsey. Guernsey, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think they're read alikes. Do you? you? No. Um, so I, I like the secret thing. Like the reading somebody else's mail thing. Yeah. Yeah. When I was. 
appealing when to I me. was a little girl there was um there is a series of children's epistolary novels called um the jolly postman are y'all familiar yes. with these yes. yes of course i was reading them to children as a librarian uh, well, um, and I had them and I very vividly remember reading them as a kid because they contain physical ephemera, like the yep. pages are envelopes and you can take out and unfold the letters. And Sabine. Yeah. Yeah. I was definitely going to take that for sure. Yeah. So a couple of the ones that came up, um, like the color purple and the perks of being a wallflower are like letters to God or letters to no one. Or it's more like a diary than an epistolary situation. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of cheating. <laughs> Putting it on a list. I mean, I understand that it's in like a letter format and you're writing essentially to yourself though. You're right. not getting anything back. Right. So I still, I, it might be cheating, but I still think it counts under the umbrella term. Uh, you're so liberal. <laughs> well, you know, she does live in Mississippi. Right. <laughs> yeah, we are known for our liberality. <sighs> so that opens up a whole lot of diary-esque books. But there's also the actual collections of letters and works of nonfiction that are illuminated by letters between principals. And right. Um, and I feel like people that enjoy epistolary novels are also the kind of people that are going to enjoy collected letters. Well, and collected letters between, like, two people where it's an intimate conversation between them is they're awesome. I don't know if you um, follow Brain Pickings on Twitter, but she is forever excerpting letters between great lovers and she does it to wonderful effect i'm always retweeting uh things where she writes these little articles where it's just a little piece of a couple of letters and you're like oh my god <laughs> so yeah brain pickings i'm gonna follow that right now brain pickings got it yeah i think i mean i think correspondence nonfiction is really neat and i think um that just as a reader's advisory tool, as a librarian, pairing epistolary novels with correspondence, nonfiction, is a really interesting, would be a really interesting way to go if you had a patron that was open to that. Yes, it would. I have been contemplating doing an epistolary display since I have all these books already in my hands. <laughs> and I just made a note in my notes. Work. Display idea! Yeah, exclamation point. And I'm like, I could do a webinar for my library. So I definitely could. Well, really she cool. has over here next to her a nonfiction item. 84 Caring Crossroad by Helene Hamp. Oh, which is amazing. And, you know, followed it by the Duchess of Bloomberry, Bloomsbury Street. Yeah. But, um, oh my gosh. I loved this so much. This was put into my hands by a prospective student who I toured around my college when I was a sophomore and she was a senior in high school. And um, I had no idea. It's probably another reason I lived in New York. It's I, great. It was put in my hands by Mrs. Friday next, so... There was a movie, too. Oh, my gosh. Anne Bancroft. Bancroft. Yeah. And Anthony Hopkins. It's a great movie. I have not seen the movie. I put it on our list. Oh, yeah. We need to watch that. It came out the year I was born. 
Well, the book came out the year I was born, so we're like matching on that. Yeah. Um, and I have, uh, uh, well, my nonfiction contribution here is Dear Genius, um, mm-hmm. which is not um, correspondence, but is a collection of the letters of Ursula Nordstrom, who is the children's editor at Harper. We saw Harper. her desk in person. I had a meeting oh at HarperCollins last week, and I got to see Ursula <gasps> Nordstrom's desk. They have it enshrined. I did not take a picture because I had no idea what I was seeing. Oh, my God. I love her so much. Like, this book is everything because I'm a children's lover. Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I think – I do think that pairings would be a really neat reader's advisory project. What would you pair with Ursula Nordstrom? I don't know. Something YA or um, or juvenile. Griffin and Sabine. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know if the... Have you read the Griffin and Sabine books? I feel like someone tried to make me do it, and therefore I resisted. Okay, well, there's I read like, all three of them as they were coming out. Well, there's like there's a couple of sets of them. There, there were the three, um, Griffin and Sabine, Sabine's Notebook, and The Golden Mean were the three sort of originals. And, I mean, Nick Bentock did other stuff. Yeah. So those are, that. I feel like this is an entirely different type of epistolary novel that has the physical ephemera in them and is a work of art in itself as well yeah Yeah. i think i have like the stationary box somewhere in here which leads me to my next question Mm -hmm. are y'all letter writers well you know i am i've sent you letters before (laughs) yes but our audience might not have benefited from (laughs) that you probably have Oh, right. Most of them. <laughs> I am a letter writer. I love mail. I think it's. I think mail is charming. It is charming. It is very charming. Um, I have been known to write letters, but I am not. That is not the thing that I sit down to do. My dad sends letters, and he he has tapered off. But he, I used to get a letter from him every week. That's so sweet. And he would send. He would like do it on the computer because his handwriting oh my god his handwriting and and then he would send a copy to me and to my aunt and I think to his mom when she was alive and he has like stockpiles of family letters at his um house and he sent me a little thing um saying that he'd been reading his dad's letters home from England in World War II and him, like, complaining about the food. <laughs> Which makes me feel like we must be losing so much uh, with our scattershot social media conversations that make it would make it really hard for uh, Little G to, like, reconstruct anything that is happening at all. Basically, we're making it difficult for We're making it really first... hard. Yeah. Which is yeah. probably fine. <laughs> Eventually, when they write, want to write about how fabulous we are, it'll be more difficult to They're compile. Like, I need these rights, and I need all to of that information. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just think, um, I mean, I'm, I'm an email writer, too, and, I mean, you know me, I'm a texter, but um, I think letters are special. I gr- I'm very Southern, so, I mean, I always write thank you notes just because that's part of our 
culture here. Um, but I think cards and letters, um, that was a part of my life growing up. Um, cause I think that is partially a very Southern thing. Um, but my, my best friend lives in California and I mean, we talk every day, but also it's really fun to mail each other things and just, you know, remind each other that even though we don't get to see each other, you're thinking about someone. And I think that is part of the appeal of the epistolary novel too. To make you want to write letters. Well, to, to make you want to write letters, but to appreciate, um, the thought and the effort that goes into it. It's true. I, I, I appreciate mail. I feel like I should write more letters right now, this instant. <laughs> did, We're going to have to wrap this up so we can go write some letters. I did write We're in the middle postcard. of something here, Anna. <laughs> we did write a postcard for little G. Yep. That he got the other day. Yep, we sent him a postcard. I owe lots of people lots of letters. Aw. Yeah, it's not, and I feel guilty about it. I know, I try not to think that I owe it, but I would, I know how happy it makes me and how good it makes me feel, and so I would like to return that sometimes. So, um, watch your mailboxes, three people Everyone. Who, who listen. <laughs> I probably have your address. Yay. Uh, well, our friend, our friend Angie, the librarian, um, just sent out her annual haul of Valentine's cards. Yeah, I couldn't remember if I'd filled out her form or not, but I guess not. Um, but that's something that she does every year that's really special. And a lot of people, you know, feel really, feel really special that she does that and it takes her a lot of time and a lot of effort so i just i think that everyone understands how great it is to get mail well you uh we handed you your mail but other people will be getting theirs in the mail mail right at some point if we haven't seen you and have handed you the card it might be coming yeah you never know so we are going to have a period here where we read some letters or pieces of letters, but I wanted to mention um, one of the epistolary novels I came across when I was working on my English degree, which is Pamela by Samuel Richardson. <coughs> it's pretty bad, it's but it's often, bad. Con- it's often considered the first one. It is, and it was, you know, the development of the novel itself owes a lot to... Pamela and then Shamala. <laughs> Real bad. <laughs> Written in the 1740s, so a while back. A The introduction here says that um, it is the story of a, the virtuous servant who resists her wicked master and is rewarded by his reformation in his hand. Ugh. <sighs> <laughs> I actually had to read that too. And I'm wondering if you're going to do an accent. I'm not, I, should I do an accent? It would be really uneven. <laughs> I, the I was novel just which, wondering. It says, the novel which embodies it in a collection of letters and a journal was a brilliantly original invention. So it says uh, the moralistic possibilities, and that that is the problem mostly, is the moralistic possibilities. And the, I'm, just, I'm sorry, I'm just over here groaning. Yeah, well, so. I'm just going to say... Um, there's some dialogue in here that she put in her first letter, letter one. All the letters are numbered, I think. I don't know. I haven't read this for a long time. Dear father and mother, I have great trouble and some comfort to acquaint you with. 
The trouble is that my good lady died of the illness I mentioned to you and left us all much grieved for the loss of her. She was a dear good lady and kind to all us, her servants. Much I feared that as I was taken by her ladyship to wait, wait upon her person, I should be quite destitute again and forced to return to you and my poor mother, who have enough to do to maintain yourselves, and, as my lady's goodness, had put me to write and cast accounts, and made me a little expert at my needle, and otherwise qualified above my degree, it was not every family that could have found a place that your poor Pamela was fit for. But God, whose graciousness to us we have so often experienced, put it into my good lady's heart, just an hour before she expired, to recommend to my young master all of her servants, one by one, and when it came to my turn to be recommended, for I was sobbing and crying at her pillow, she could only say, My dear son! And so broke off a little, and then recovering, Remember my poor Pamela! And these were some of her last words. Oh, how my eyes run. Don't wonder to see the paper so blotted. Now, I would like to point out that you only my had eyes to are me also three running. times to keep me awake. <laughs> that... By the time you got to the end of that sentence, I've forgotten the beginning. Thank you. Me too. She did have to poke me. Fourteen line sentence in there. Fourteen line sentence. So, thanks, Samuel Richardson. Oh, God. This is only. Not only did you hate women, you hated punctuation. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of punctuation in there. I think he was overly fond of it. Not only did you hate women, you you hated periods. There we go. That, that goes together. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> but um, So, let's do you have... Ha- do you have something for us, Allie? Yeah. I do. Um, so, I know that Aline has read Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Yes. Um, it is incredibly charming. And um, it is the story of uh, a woman um, that lives in Seattle, and she's basically an agoraphobe. Um, and she is trying to navigate life among, um, like... Philistines. Yes. Um, (laughs) I don't know anything about the Pacific Northwest, but this was very illuminating, if any of it is true. It was certainly amusing. It's Um, all true. (laughs) We have blackberry bushes and it rains. Um, and it's, it is, um... It, it it's it has emails it has um like instant messages it has uh, a really long rhyming christmas letter in the middle of it that's terrible <laughs> um it has uh, like tickets and the very beginning which i'm gonna read is um bernadette's uh daughter b it's her report card from her hippie dippy seattle school you so don't have is... to say hippy dippy when you say Seattle school. <laughs> okay, so this is this is the very beginning of the book. Monday, November fifteenth. Gaylor Street School is a place where compassion, academics, and global connectitude join together to create civic-minded citizens of a sustainable and diverse planet. Student B Branch, grade eight, teacher Levy. Key S surpasses excellence. A achieves excellence. W, working towards excellence. Geometry, S. Biology, S. World religion, S. Music, S. Creative writing, S. Ceramics, S. Language arts, S. Expressive movements, S. Comments, B is a pure delight. Her love of learning is infectious, as are her kindness and humor. 
Bea is unafraid to ask questions. Her goal is always deep understanding of a given topic, not merely getting a good grade. The other students look to Bea for help in her, their studies, and she is always quick to respond with a smile. Bea exhibits extraordinary concentration when working alone. When working in a group, she is a quiet and confident leader. Of special note is what an accomplished flutist Bea continues to be. The, the year is only a third over, but already I am mourning the day B graduates from Gaylor Street and heads out into the world. I understand she is applying to boarding schools back east. I envy the teachers who get to meet B for the first time and to discover themselves what a lovely young woman she is. So it's it's funny. It's full of like <laughs> humor poking fun of um, like the, the Pacific Northwest private school culture. I'm pretty sure Maria Simple is from Seattle. She lives in Seattle. Well, she lives so. in Seattle now. She yeah. came from L.A. Yeah. So it's it's all in good fun. Um, and it's, as it unfolds, there's flashbacks, um, there's a sequence where, um, they're trying to go on vacation in Antarctica, and so they're trying to make arrangements to do that, um, and actually, a lot of times, audiobooks of epistolary novels don't work as well, just because there's so many headings to read, um, but in this one, I've listened during my listening of Grey. Yeah, I've listened to the audiobook of this one and it it's Kathleen uh Wilhoit. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. She was um Liz, Luke's sister on Gilmore Girls. Okay. And yep. she's yeah, she's got a really she's fun an ER also. Yeah, she's got a really fun voice and it works really well. And a lot of the, the letters and the exchanges are a little longer in this one. So it really works as an audiobook too. I feel like if it's one of those books where there are emails like Grey where they read off every like the timestamp and the from and then all the signature <laughs> the stuff that your eye can sort of skim over and absorb in a second but that it takes forever to listen to then you would definitely not want to go for the audiobook but if it's you know just letter format without a lot of like longish letters not a bunch of headings then, yeah. you, then you could go with audio right there's one chapter in Mindy Kaling's Why Not Me where oh, she is like imagining the emails of her parallel self if she had stayed in New York instead of moving to LA to be Mindy and Kaling. It's, it's a really cute like sequence. It is but, a really cute sequence. But the audio, it has every line has a heading and it made me want to bang my head against the wall. Yeah. And, but the one thing that it does that doesn't happen in gray is that she keeps changing her sig quote from a pop song lyric. It does it, that keeps changing, and so it's kind of funny. Um. So, oh, is it my turn to read? Yeah. I'm trying to write down notes as I do this. Um. So I was gonna share with you uh, a letter from 84 Charing Cross Road, as we said by Helene Hamp. Um. As I'm looking at this, I'm like, oh, hey, she lived on the same street I did when I first moved to New York. Um. So a little tiny bit of background. This is uh, the correspondence between Helene Hamp, a writer in New York City, and the staff of the Marks and Company Booksellers, which is located at 84 Charing Cross Road in London. During uh, It starts uh, after the war in 1949, and the first volume here goes until 1969. Um, There is an epilogue. So it it stretches over 20 years, and I am picking up a letter 
dated November 2nd, 1951. It is from Helene to the, the bookshop. Dear Speed, you dizzy me rushing Lee Hunt and the Vulgate over here whiz-bang like that. You probably don't realize it, but it's hardly more than two years since I ordered them. You keep going at this rate, you're going to give yourself a heart attack. That's mean. You go to so much trouble for me, and I never even thank you. I just needle you. It's mean. I really am grateful for all the pains you take for me. I enclose three dollars. I'm sorry about the top one. I spilled coffee on it, and it wouldn't sponge off, but I think it's still good. You can still read it. Do you carry hardcover vocal scores by any chance, like Bach's St. Matthew Passion and Handel's Messiah? I could probably get them here at Shermer's, but they're 50 cold blocks from where I live, so I thought I'd ask you first. Congratulations on Churchill and company. Hope he loosens up your rations a little. Is your name Welsh? H.H. So she's... Charming. Charming. So charming. Charming and funny and all over the place in three paragraphs and... Um, you know, she, she builds quite a relationship with the staff of this tiny bookshop over the years and you become really super invested in it. And if you read it, just imagine Anne Bancroft's voice and that helps too. So good. <laughs> All right. My selection is from dear committee members. Didn't you already read? Hey, I was reading Pamela. You have to let me read something fun. Yeah, oh, okay. That's true. <laughs> right, right, right. Sorry. Totally you all went to sleep. You don't remember. I, I have happened. no recollection of it at all. Um, which is is actually a violation of all my previously held principles. It's all letters from one person, but it's a <laughs> it's a professor who's writing recommendation letters for people. <laughs> and he's I've known quite a few professors and um, they get called upon to write recommendation letters many times for people that they don't know or like or have given any good grades or anything. And so this person is um, increasingly frustrated and trying to help uh, one of his graduate students um, get a publishing contract. And um, it's uh, humorous, but also at the end kind of sad. Um, so this is a pretty good example <laughs> I'm going to read. It's um, January 7th, 2010. Celebrita Online, C.R. Young, Communications Coordinator. Dear C.R. Young, Ms. Tara Tapani knocked at my office door this morning and, with the air of a woman wearing diamonds and furs, entered the icy enclosure in which I work, perched at the edge of my red vinyl chair, and urged me to respond to your second email request for recommendation, as she dearly hopes to be hired as assistant editor of Celebrita Online. I demurred. Pressed, I reminded Mrs. Ms. Tapani that a year ago... I gave her a well-deserved F in my intermediate fiction class. She chuckled and put a little manicured paw on my forearm, as if the two of us were sharing a wonderful joke. Don't worry about that, she assured me. I just need a letter. <laughs> so be it. Why did I give Miss Tapani an F? For plagiarizing an entire short story, namely Erwin Shaw's widely anthologized The Girls in Their Summer Dresses. It always startles me anew, though I have nabbed dozens of plagiarists, to realize that the student cheater is amazed at my powers of discernment, my uncanny ability to t detect a difference in quality between his or her own work and, for example, Proust's. <laughs> I have caught students who faithfully reproduced or cut and pasted, sometimes forgetting to remove the author's name, the work of Hemingway, Cather, O'Connor, both Frank and Flannery, and Virginia Woolf. The wolf copyist, wide-eyed with distress and admiration, told me she didn't think I would catch her because Wolf, a European writer no longer among us, was so obscure. 
<laughs> back, to, back to Mr. Punny. There is a particular art to accusing a plagiarist, which necessitates first and foremost that I prop my office door open and keep a full box of tissues at hand. But in Miss Tapani's case, the tissues weren't needed. Having confronted her with the Irwin Shaw story prominently featured in several bound volumes on the flat of my desk, I sat back and waited. Visibly unperturbed, she sipped at the froth of a cappuccino. It seemed there was a reasonable explanation. She must have read Shaw's story a few years before. Yes, that must have been it. She had read the story and clearly enjoyed it, to the extent that she had copied it verbatim into a notebook reserved for that purpose. Then... Finding an assignment due for my class, she had paged through said notebook, stumbled across Shaw's narrative, and forgotten that Shaw, rather than Tara Tapani, was its rightful author. A simple mix-up, she smiled. I asked if she might show the, the notebook into which she had copied by hand the works of the masters. Ms. Tapani sighed. She wished that were possible. But only a week earlier, she had lost an entire satchel full of journals, including the notebook of literary classics rendered by in her own curlicued style, on a city bus. I told her I admired her bravado and gave her the F. <laughs> if Celebrita Online is in need of an editor slash copywriter who refuses to allow the demands of honesty or originality to delay her output, it will have found one in the unflappable Ms. Tara Tapani. Guilelessly yours, J. Fitger, professor at law, <laughs> creative writing, English, Payne University. That's funny. I need to read that. The whole book is like that. She read this last year and read like half of it out loud to me because she was giggling helplessly throughout. It's true. So that is by Julie Schumacher. It's called Dear Committee Members. My, I think my favorite ones were when, so he's clearly an old school guy and he's trying to like fill out an online recommendation <laughs> form and he gets really pissed off at like the character limits in each box. He, oh, he God. cannot that's handle That's so it. relatable to someone that's worked in a public library. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, yeah, I really love, one of the things that I love about epistolary works in general um, are there are so many different things that you can do with the form. Um, and you can like, have you read, um, uh, what is it? Letters to Alice on first reading Jane Austen. My mom gave that to me and no, I haven't read it because, um, I don't know. Um, Probably. it's really short, but it's by Faye Weldon, Faye Weldon and yeah, sounds serious. she, um, it's, it's letters to her, her niece about the importance of her niece wants to be a writer about the importance of, um, reading and literature and Jane Austen. Um, but the funny thing about, she doesn't have a niece. So it's like, it's like an experiment in like working out the importance of literature and that kind of thing. So it's really cool to read. Like I want to read it, but I'm afraid I might cry. So that's why I haven't read it yet. Probably. Yeah. Maybe I will at some point. Did we mention everything in all of our piles? Oh, well I have one more in my pile here, which is, the most recent one other than Illuminae, I think, um, 2014. It's called The Divorce Papers by Susan Rieger, and apparently it's about, it's from the perspective of a um, criminal law associate who um, suddenly has to deal with all the papers of this divorcing couple whose, um, the wife was served divorce papers at the popular local restaurant, Golightly's. Um, so it's called the Divorce Papers, and there are, this is like a series of legal 
letters and so on. And then there's some like faux handwritten letters, um, including Sunday morning limerick. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and there are actually some news items and stuff. So I don't know. I just picked it up based on one of the lists I was looking at because we had it on the shelf. Well, I really like, um, is it The Unfinished Life of Addison Stone? Have y'all heard of this one? Uh-uh. It came out two years ago. Hey, The um, Divorce Papers was a library reads pick. Hey, Oh, nice. Excellent. I wonder why that sounded familiar. Um, so The Addison Stone book, it's by Adele Griffin. It's a YA book, and it is, um, it's a biography of a fictional artist and it's very um, it's very much this collage style um, you find out like on the first pages that um, this this young girl who is like an up-and-coming artist in the New York City art scene has has died um, and so it's the entire book is like interviews with people she knew and pieces of her own art and photographs they hired um, an like an, an actress slash model to actually play the part um, in the photographs. Um, and it's like got um, a bunch of different voices. and It's really, really interesting. I liked it a lot. Okay. Y'all should check that one out. Yeah. Right. And since it's got all of the um, different like ephemera type stuff, it's a really, it's a very fast read. The what of Addison Stone? The Unfinished Life of Thank Addison you. Stone. Are you going to tell us what Library Reads is? Library Reads is the top ten books chosen by library staff each month, and the list comes out a couple weeks before the month that the books are being published. So all of the librarians across the country who are reading advanced reader copies and, and are they all eligible? Thinking great thoughts. If you work in a public library, you are eligible to nominate books for Library Reads. It is currently an adult list only. But it does include nonfiction. It does include nonfiction and genre. Nominate genre. And uh, you can go to libraryreads.org to find Some YA books have made the list. They have, yes. YA crossover books have definitely made the list. If they get voted for, they make the list. Um, They're not specifically teen or children's. Are there any plans to change it? Nope. All right. Um, and also, my last book that's in my pile is LMNOP. Do y'all know this one? I um, saw it in your pile when you tweeted about yeah, us. I yeah, I saw it on a list I looked at. Um, it's by Mark Dunn, and it's um, LMNOP um, is a girl, and she lives on uh, the island of Nollip, which is a fictional island. And um, it's, the, it's named after Kevin Nollip, who wrote the phrase, the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog, um, which contains all the letters of the alphabet. Right. So, like, they have this statue in the middle of the island that's, like, an homage to him, and they live, they're they're all word people, and they love language, and, um, but then, uh, like, letters start dropping off of the statue, and the very superstitious, like, government of the town starts outlawing those letters, like okay. the people of the town can't use them anymore. So as the letters from Ella continue, like she has to figure out how to write all these letters to people without using like the letters of the alphabet that have been outlawed. It's really fun. And it they get shorter and shorter. Yeah, and they get anxiety inducing. <laughs> it is, but in a charming way. 
<laughs> so it's really funny. It's funny. Okay. Yeah, and it's and it's quick. There's a lot of white space. There's a lot of white. My space. favorite. My favorite quality in a book. White space. Their 84 Charing Cross Road is very quick. Yeah. Yes, very very quick. So good. We should watch the movie soon. We should. We should watch the movie. That sounds good. It sounds really good. I liked it a lot. All right. So. Or we could watch You've Got Mail for talking about movies that have to do with letters. Yeah, or The Shop Around the Corner. The Shop Around the or, Corner. Or yes. um, The One in Between with Judy Garland and Van Johnson. Mm-hmm. Which I don't remember. In the Good Old Summertime. That's the only one I actually. No, I might own You've Got Mail as well. What? You've Got Mail was filmed in my neighborhood when I lived in my neighborhood. <laughs> of course it Again was. Again with the New York City. <sighs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you did you ever live in New York? <laughs> that's a thing that, that's a thing that you. How did. many years ago was that? <laughs> uh, it was a very long time ago. But you should be used to it being three degrees out. No. No one can get used to that. That's no. not a thing. What te- what temperature is it now? Are we looking it up again? Yeah, look. I have to look things up. Zero. It's, it's zero, zero now. Oh just gosh. straight up zero. Like actual zero. Actual. Yeah. Zero. Here, I'll I'll send you a picture of the weather like, app. It's supposed That's... to get to negative eleven before it gets warmer again. Yeah, yeah. it's still sixty-one here. Okay. So. <laughs> Give us some of our degrees back. Yes, please. So now is the point in our show where we talk about our musical obsessions. Okay. Do you have a musical obsession, Allie? Sure. Um, so do y'all do the uh, the Spotify Discover playlist? Do y'all check that every week? No, we have our own playlists. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're not interested in learning anything new, Allie. <laughs> so so Spotify about. does a, a Discover Weekly playlist every week. Um, and it's like, Sophie told, our friend Sophie, the librarian, told me she read an article about the algorithm that they use. Ooh, algorithm. And it's based on, like, what you're listening to plus what people near you are listening to and the people that you've connected with. It's really interesting. And okay. it's hit or miss. But some of them are really, really good. Um, and the other uh, Does couple it have weeks, any provision for, no, I never want to hear this again, ever? I, I just skipped that. Okay. Okay. Like this week, my playlist was almost all men, and I was just like, "I'll come back next week," because uh, I just want to listen to lady pop songs. Right, um, right. Well, <laughs> except for One Direction. Except for One Direction, but we'll get to that. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, they played me this song. At, they do a lot of. I listen to a lot of like alternative and indie stuff, and um, I guess that's been built into my algorithm now. So they play me a lot of people that I've never heard of. Um, so there's this song called Stonewallin' by Jane Decker, and I don't know, but it's been stuck in my head for like three weeks, and I can't stop listening to it, and it's charming and fun, and I'm totally obsessed. That sounds good. Yeah. It's very dancey. George will like it. We like that. We're all for dancing here. Dance parties. Yeah. The door's not shut, though. They can get in if they need to. Well, I couldn't tell if it was a cat or a child. It was a cat. Okay. Um, so this may be a cop out, but I'm still in my, in my head, I'm still obsessed with Beyonce's formation. Oh yeah, that's, that's not a cop out. And, uh. It's only been a week. It's only been a week. And the Super Bowl has been. Ugh. Just awesome. Yeah. I just, um. Also, I make cheesy biscuits. Right. Um, and I, I got 
no, I think it's interesting. I keep reading various pieces on it, and um, I I read the you know the thing where you can go on the line and um, all the lyrics are explained by various people. I don't remember Gen- the genius. Genius. Yep, that was interesting. Did y'all? There was a skit on Saturday Night Live this week um, about it. Oh. And yeah, um, which was just yesterday. So, um, but it was it was a bunch of white people standing around and going, maybe this song's not for us, but usually everything is. I don't understand. <laughs> it's I'm real sure funny. It's not for me, but I'm I'm yeah, it's still great. fascinated yeah. by it. Yeah, it's great. What about you? Because my musical obsession is um, "Perfect" by One Direction because I like lady pop in the form of boy bands, <laughs> lady pop in the form of boys singing. <laughs> In high voices. Fair enough. It, it's very, very... It, we have dance parties in the kitchen to One Direction all the time. I know. I respect that. Thank you. I was there. All right, how about a non-musical obsession? A non-musical obsession. So I'm really obsessed with Franny Fisher. Okay. Um, she is musical, though. Um, y'all have watched the show, right? Yes. Yeah. So I'm listening to the books. Yes, I've done that too. Oh. Yeah, there's 20 of them. There are a lot of them. Um, but they're really short. Um, and I've been listening to the audiobooks, and I'm on my second listen through nice. of the audiobooks. So I'm like, I'm finding land all the time. And I have Amy listening with me. Oh, good. Now. Are you listening to the same book at the same time? No, we're, we're, we keep missing each other. Um, but it's fun because, like, in the books, she's, um, she's a lot younger. And her personality is a little bit different and the characters are a little bit different. So it's fun to like talk about the differences and the similarities. And She's amazing either way. I love her so much. Yeah. She's the best. Yeah. In the book, she's my age. So it's really interesting to think about like, what would life be like if I was Australian in 1928 and very rich? That's a lot of fun. It is. Being rich and Australian. No, reading things where the character has something fundamental in common with you so that you can, like... are in the same place that you lived in New York? (laughs) Oh, you walked right into that one. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to my life. Um, What did I say I was obsessed with? I told you yesterday, and now I don't remember. That was a long time ago. Right? I know. Um... I don't know. What are you obsessed with? Also? So, I, uh, we just watched Murder on the Orient Express. Yes. Which has so many people in it that you're like, oh, it's that person. Oh, it's that person. Oh, it's that person. That's so fun. That's I Ingrid love Bergman. <laughs> Randomly, just showing up. She's there. Um, Lauren McCall is my favorite. No. Oh, yeah. There's one of the Franny books um, is like an homage to like an Agatha Christie like house party mystery nice and it's got all these easter eggs and stuff it's really fun so i would like to now watch a lot of agatha christie based um movies we've got all the poirot at the library yeah a lot of yeah well a lot of the poros are on netflix now oh boy and um i don't necessarily want to read the books again um, I think I reread at least I think I reread and then there were none and there were a few things in there that I was like, okay then, no thanks. I don't think I ever read an Agatha Christie book ever. That's weird. 
I'm, Damn, when I'm I started reading ripped. mysteries, I was too bloodthirsty. <laughs> well, there's a lot of stabbing in this one, as you. There is a lot of stabbing in Murder on the Orient Express, but I mean, I my mystery reading has always been kind of gritty and urban and contemporary and not, stuff. Not like that. Well, not... I started reading Agatha Christie's when I was very like my mom always liked them. Yeah. And they're not super bloody. So that she let me read them when I was, you know, in elementary school because they weren't. Well, yes. Yeah, so I, right. I think that's when I was reading. Little little do you watch Murder on the Orient Express and then he oh, um, no. was recreating the stabbing part of it. So <laughs> You're the one who gave him a knife-shaped pen immediately afterwards. That's true, I did. <laughs> I mean, you know, I feel like that's a healthy six-year-old response. Is it? Okay, Maybe. good. So, um, I just, I really enjoyed, you know, I've seen it before and I've read the book, but I just enjoyed watching the reveal, watching George and Aileen watched the reveal was enjoyable for me. <laughs> no spoilers. Yeah. So I have I have come to a new obsession oh. in the time we've been talking. Oh. Because Ooh. I don't remember what I told you was my Is obsession it me? yesterday. Yeah. Well, I am obsessed with Allie. Um, I am obsessed with uh, warm socks. <laughs> Ooh, well, it is zero degrees right, right now. Right, yeah. And my feet are freezing, in fact, in spite of being enrobed in wool socks. Uh, I'm I'm happy about vacation. Also, I'm obsessed with vacation. Oh yeah, y'all are on vacation. Oh my god, vacation! <sighs> Couldn't come at a better time. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, thank you for uh talking. Oh wait, Allie, did you want to talk to us about some of your um actions Ex on the internet? Yeah. <laughs> actions on the internet. Um, well, y'all have had Amy on before, right? Yes. Okay. So, um, me and, uh, Amy Deeg, Amy Diggleman, but it's Amy Deeg on Twitter. Um, we have a Tumblr community called Join the Girl Gang, and it's a, a feminist, an intersectional feminist community on Tumblr, and we also have a Twitter account, and it's all about women supporting women. It's like the best. It's revolutionary, really. It's really, it's fun, and it's a great outlet for feminist anger for us. <laughs> um, but we highlight really cool things that women around the world um, are doing, and also we sometimes make fun of men. So well, it's, okay. <laughs> it's basically the best of everything. Um, so yeah, you can check it out. We'll have, I'll make Anna put a link in the show notes. Uh, we will do so. You don't need to make me. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so yeah um i also do the twitters oh twitters yes yeah. so um yes i'm gonna say thanks for listening <laughs> i'm anna and you can oh no that's not gonna say i have to do mine last don't i Nah, you could like do it so that we would know what format to take oh, okay. for our own you can find me online to help grace h-e-l-g-a-g-r-a-c-e and Allie, where can we find you um, A-S-W-A-T-K-I-1 -E -A -A On Twitter? On Twitter And join the girlgang.tumblr.com And I'm Aline, you can find me at Surly Spice S-U-R-L-Y-S-P-I-C-E And our in and out music is provided by Julie Jurgens. you can find her at Hi Miss Julie H-I-M-I-S-S-J-U-L-I-E Thank you Bye, Bye.